I am your host for today, Michael Martin, and I am joined by Mr. John Barry, as I am every Saturday, it seems like, or Friday now. How are you doing? I love the way I spend my Friday nights now. It's called getting old as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Eating Red Lobster, talking Thunder basketball. That's just, this is the key to life. Living lavish. I'm going to get a swear jar for you coming up. <laughs> okay. We usually start out with a Thunder, but this is Thunder related. So Russell Westbrook, OKC Thunder legend, greatest player in Thunder history, has been going through some controversy lately. I'm not sure if everyone's seen it. John, you've seen it, though. The press conference where Russ is talking about, I can't bring my family to these games because people are slandering my name, calling well, yeah, me he's, Russell Westbrook. Yeah, yeah. What are your initial reactions off, off that? I mean, if you watch the Lakers play basketball and you know basketball well enough, you would know that the Russ slander is just extremely like heavily weighed. I mean, the other night, what do you, I think he got his 20,000th or his 25th? He has, uh, I think it was in the 20s, but yeah, he's... Um, the- but like no recognition from any news outlet, any. But like as soon as like you see like a bad shot by him or a bad turnover, it's, it's on highlight reels everywhere. And... When you watch the Lakers, like the other night when um, they lost to the Rockets, mm-hmm. if you watch the post-game interview with Jalen Green and some of them, every one of them said, what was the game? Or like, you know, they're asking, what was the game plan, you know, take them down like this? Because it's the freaking Rockets, like a team that should be tanking too. And all of them said, attack Melo, attack Melo. Mm-hmm. It's like, why? Oh, well, because when you watch, Melo doesn't play any defense because he's so damn old. He can't move like that, okay. you know, against these youngsters. And I mean, there's just so many like things that are wrong with the Lakers besides LeBron James that it's like when you point at a Russ, it's how, why he's averaging 18, seven and seven on 41%, 40% from the field on like an off year, like where he's getting a ton of slander. That's like, I mean, how can you, how can you hate on that? Cause he's still somehow contributing and when it seems like he's not and he has bad games, don't get me wrong, but like. I think the team he's on with the Lakers, I think this Lakers team, obviously, it was a total fail comparatively to what LeBron was thinking before the season. It's like, I'm going to recruit a bunch of superstars, ex-superstars. The 2009 All-Stars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone who knows basketball knew this wasn't going to work. Russell Westbrook is not going to be a great off-ball player next to LeBron. It's just, that's not in his game. Uh, you mentioned the achievement, but Russ, I think it was around 20,000 points. He has yeah. now the second most points by a point guard ever behind Oscar. And no one, you, it's like that just flew under the radar. Because do, you know, do you know who did stand up for Russell Westbrook? Steph Curry. It wasn't LeBron, wasn't his teammate. It was Steph Curry, the guy who the arch stole nemesis. Kevin Durant. Yeah. yeah, Steph Curry, the nicest guy in the league. <laughs> I mean, what he said, though, it, I mean, it wasn't like untrue, you know, it's like, Russ has had a better shooting percentage from not just the not just the field, but like three point. I'm pretty sure too, because Curry has had some horrible streaks this year. He's had some crazy ones. Don't get me wrong, where he gets really hot. You see it on ESPN for like a million times the next week. But what Curry said was not untrue. Russ is not playing the best basketball he's played, no doubt. But he's on a team where it's not going to help, and no one's helping him but LeBron. I mean, Carmelo, Dwight Howard, like those guys. I'm not saying they're washed, but them playing together. They're washed. I mean, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. clearly it's, you know, it's something. It's like, it's not just one person on this team, you know? Yeah, I think the Russ problem is kind of twofold. There's the roster thing, but there's also the fact of like, he's going out there and he's like, do you guys not remember that was the MVP? And it's like, we do, but you're also not playing like that guy anymore. It's kind of difficult because I think he'd get a lot less slander, as you were saying, if he was paid a lot less. I think a lot of it has to do with you're getting paid $45 million. Well, and you know how detrimental it is on your body when 
what he like what what happened with D Rose and mm-hmm. him and like what he's able to do and even Jaw like that'll diminish at some point. Like they are so explosive and going a hundred percent all the time that that weighs on your body when you do that for consecutive years. Like Russ, for years you would see him off a of pick and roll if he had a little bit of room, he was exploding and booming it on somebody. Right? Mm-hmm. That wears on your knees. That wears on your body. So. When you got to start facilitating more and hitting like jumpers and like he used to be able to, but maybe not jump as high. Like you got to adjust your shot somewhere in there. Now I'm kind of sounding like a like a trainer. Like I know what I'm saying, but like I mean, when you watch him play, he's just not that same Russ that he used to be. You know, so you gotta you gotta adjust your game to maybe I don't know how you fix the three pointer because for him it's like I feel during his better seasons he was more consistent, but now it's like he might throw it up and you might have to like duck from the clank. You know? I think I think it's, it's part mental and I have a theory because he was shooting his mental. Yeah. his best three-point shooting was in his MVP year, right? Yeah. And then the next year with He's Paul like, George he comes back and it's like his free throws broken, his jump shots broken. I think he added too much muscle on his arms. I don't know, that muscle was so huge when he would come off that like pick and roll or just coming down the lane. I'm just talking speed. about his shooting though. I think yeah. that ended up hurting him. Well, like, because you saw... what's crazy was like his mid-range. Like, remember how he was able to just go hundred ten percent down the court and then all of a sudden stop on the dime and pull up and you're like, That's a bucket. Like he's gonna yeah. make that. That's what he was known for for a while. It was like that signature rust. Or even his bank shot. Like that was even that's that's a really tough shot to do, like going full speed like that. But now it's like when he's doing it, it's something's either it's either, you know, partly mental and it's something physically or it's all mental like who knows but for him he's got to try his best like he's done all his career is block out the hate because people when he was dropping consecutive triple doubles for seasons not just games seasons Mm -hmm. still finding a way to discredit that like that's so easy to be done like oscar robertson was the last person to do anything remotely close to what russ has done that is if that was so easy to be done like we would see a lot more people on that list or, you know, Oscar Robinson dating that far back. There would be people above him recently. You know what I mean? So like, I don't know. Like I, it sounds like exactly what I'm, I'm a huge rust defender. He did a lot for OKC. He stuck around for as long as he could loyal. I mean, I just, he's a, he's a great basketball player. He's a hall of famer. Yeah. I'm it's, in the camp. Same as you that he deserved that MVP. He's going to be top 75. He already is. He belongs in there. There's some people questioning that. I think I hate I, that he wasn't there though. Yeah. He, I think he had like his grandmother died or something yeah, like that. So he yeah. didn't make it. it was, but I think yeah, some yeah. of the biggest critiques on Russ are, um, people think that his game hasn't evolved all that much. What do you mean evolve? It's like, look what he did. He didn't evolve into what? better than what he's already done no no (laughs) evolve as in like adapting and changing things as in to his older age and and yeah yeah. like you see guys as they get older like lebron uh ray allen was a more dynamic athlete of like you shooting ages really really well and it just seems like that's that's what lebron's resorted to that's exactly what i'm talking about is like he's extended his range out to you know getting a becoming a better shooter from not just the mid-range but even three-pointers you know spotting up or just kind of one one two dribble pull up Russ needs to do that, but like for him, he's gotta not do that in games. Like make games your practice right now, because like all eyes are on the Lakers. Because this is you know you have all these you know big names, whether it was from 2010 or mm-hmm. 2018, you know recently or not, it's they're big names, they're great players. That they just gotta play harder. I mean, when you watch their effort, sometimes it just sucks. Ball gets sw- uh, swung around the top of the key for two, three, four passes. 
you make a one cross court pass and they don't even want to run out. They just stand and hope you miss. It's like you're in the you guys are this is the NBA. Like everybody, even youngsters, are better than the year before. Like it's it's happening. Let me get this point out before you yell at me. But you know, we talked a lot with Baisley about simplifying your role instead of trying to do all these things and be an average at a bunch of things. Just right. like find three things, nail those. For Russ, I would tell him start defending at a high level, keep going to the rim, like putting pressure and getting kickouts, and then take catch and shoot threes. No other threes, no dribble pull ups. Those would be the three things I would tell him. Yeah, I mean, and his facilitating, like he could, he could just be way better at that. But honestly, this also for me, like I've, I think I've said before. Anthony Davis, biggest letdown in the NBA this year, by like bar none. When you go to the Lakers, like him and LeBron, that should have been a psycho duo. For no, you should be able to put anybody with those guys and be really good. and be really good. Exactly. And Anthony Davis, I mean, granted, there's been injuries that have set him back, but like when he's been healthy, even dude, this is he's he's at the age where this he should be in his prime. He should be one of the top players in the NBA with his size. His ability to shoot. He's kind of crafty for a big man, too. Like, he led down the Lakers hard. Now, like I said, injuries, sometimes you can't really troll that. But Anthony Davis, biggest letdown in the NBA. If he was healthy, if he was able to stay healthy and do what we all know he can do, like in New Orleans when he was carrying that entire organization, if he was able to be doing that, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I don't think Russ would be getting the slander he's been getting. Because the Lakers would be able to find a way to win around him because that's like that, sh- that was going to be their centerpiece. It wasn't LeBron. It's like when he got Anthony Davis over there, it's like, you're the man. Like, I'm going to be here because I'm LeBron and I'm going to do my thing. But like, this is going to be your show. Yeah, we've got some Lakers stuff coming up later, but I wanted to just wrap this up and ask you just with this Russ topic, how do you think this ends for him? Not how do you want it to because he's in the last year of his deal next year. Mm-hmm. Does he get traded? What, what happens with the Russ? I think he gets traded. I mean, I. I clearly, unless they are able to find a way to use him better or him to, you know, like, like you just said, three pillars of simplifying his game and helping. The, I, I don't know. I definitely think after this year, we probably see him get traded somewhere again, sadly. But after this contract's up, because I've, I've thought about this a lot, like what team is clamoring for Russ? Because this is not an insult on Russ, but it's just about the point that he's in in his career. Magic could use him. The magic could use him. I mean, like you know, put him at put him at point guard and facilitate to all these youngsters. Well, I mean, you have Jalen Suggs on that team, and some. If I'm an older team, like you see with the Rockets now, you want your younger guys to be the guys who are doing stuff. So I just wonder, can Russell Westbrook, like you've seen Melo evolve into being more of a leader and evolve his game as a three point shooter? I wonder if Russ can take that backseat to a guy and be a mentor to a younger guard because I don't think it's gonna it's not gonna happen where they're gonna sign you to a vet minimum and then you're gonna be it's like oh you're okay see Russell Westbrook you're gonna start again you're gonna do all this stuff like it's gonna be a way different role and I have massive fears that he's gonna go out sort of like Allen Iverson did oh well okay if I think it all depends on how the Lakers finish out the regular season and going into the playoffs that'll determine Russ's fate because that'll be you know all of the rest of the games that you see him play, if they're unable to figure it out because they really need to, like soon, because they're currently out of the playoffs anyways, or even the play-in, correct? Mm-hmm. Or maybe... They're in the they're, play-in. They're, they're in the, the play-in right yeah, they're, yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, when you're sitting that far back and things are risky, I would uh, 
I wouldn't I wouldn't want to make any like for sure predictions because who knows maybe Russ does figure it out maybe he simplifies it and it just goes on some crazy streak I I would hope because he deserves it and the man deserves a damn ring it we hope sucks so. yeah uh, more thunder news right after Haley and I went off the pod on Tuesday we get some breaking news that Lou Dort Ty Jerome and Mike Muscala all went under three separate season ending injuries Do you have any big takeaways from that Lou Dort's is a uh, left shoulder labrum tear. Ty Jerome had a sports hernia, and then Mike Muscala had an ankle surgery that was talked about for a long time. I'm glad they just get it done, get the surgery done, get rehabbing. Because um, clearly the tank is on. I mean, we've seen you know from the past four games all L's for good reason. Um, but I guess you know Lou Dort. I'm glad they're taking care of him. I hope he gets every bit of rehab for that. He's because, up for a big extension this summer. Well. He deserves it. Mm-hmm. It's not like when he comes off a of torn. I mean, torn labrum is it's nothing to joke about because that's that's a s- shitty rehab. That's what I, Paul George had. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but like the hernia and then like Ty Jerome being injured, you know, it's you know, it's we're not it's not Shea because Shea comes off an injury and is now leading the NBA in scoring since the All Star break. He's killing it. It's insane. So the next segment is called Am I Crazy? Where I'm going to throw out something, some take, some opinion, and John's going to tell me if I'm crazy. You ready? <laughs> yeah. Can Shea <laughs> be a perennial all-NBA player, like top 10 level? Can he lead the league in scoring? Can he be a number one or number two option on a finals team? Those are a lot of questions, but they seem like, you know, if you say yes, they're So you're saying basically can Shea do it all? I'm not saying can he be a LeBron <laughs> or a guy like that, but like, can he be in that second tier of all stars, like right below yes. the top five? Yes. Do you not think so? I'm I'm just asking you. I'm not saying I disagree or agree. Okay. Okay. Well, if you do, you're not crazy. I definitely I definitely think so. I mean, look, just like I just said, look what he's done since the All Star break after coming off an injury. You know, it's like, yeah, you're. It's not carrying them to wins because clearly, I mean, they've lost the last four, but. I mean, you're playing Poku and and Lindy on a two-way. Like you're playing a lot of guys that, you know, it seems like it's it's for a little tank because you want a top three pick this year. Um, but yes, I th- I think Shea, with his ability to pretty much get past any defender in front of him, mm-hmm. that's that's a rare rare gift. I mean, I know, I know a lot of guys. It might seem like they can do that, but not as easily as Shea does. And well, as and smooth as length. he makes it look, yeah, yeah and his length. I mean, is you know. If he gets you low enough to where he's able to kind of almost back you down and then turn around and pump, like, his his length sells so many, like, fundamental, like, fakes, you know? Like, if, like, I guess what would be a good example is him taking it down, like, the right side down the middle, and when he gets when he gets down low and he pumps, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is Shea is a fundamentally sound all-star that can do everything you want from your number one franchise player. And I think if, I, I don't know. I, I Now I'm just like, I'm just. <laughs> I'll save you here. I'll throw you a life <laughs> yeah, wrap. But um, in terms, like we've talked about comps with like Giddy. I don't want to do the comp thing with Shea, but I guess. I'm just raving on yeah. Shea just because like, how can you not? I mean, what what else do you want from that guy is what I'm saying. Yeah. You know? But just in terms of Shea, where do you think he can, like, I'm thinking of comp not as like similarity, but of like stature in the league. Like, I think he can be in the same category as like Devin Booker. Yeah. I mean, Devin Booker, it took him a while in Phoenix. But like, I'm talking he, about. He stuck like, around and yeah. carried all, you know, all he could. But when you put the pieces around him, 
I mean, look what they're doing. They're, That's what I mean. But a guy who's like eight to twelve usually in most years. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't think Shea's going to win an MVP or something like that. That's not a discredit to Shea, but the guys who can win MVP, you can count those guys basically on one hand. Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't know. With with, with Shea, like, all I'm going to sound like is I'm just going to rave about him because I, I really am excited about him just because of what he's able to do in every game. I mean, win or lose, he's consistent. I, I don't think if you're talking about, like, point guards, like, his – he doesn't really like facilitate mm-hmm. as much as you would think. Like like Steph Curry has, he he kind of has that threat to him where teams play so high up on him when he gets like you know he makes good passes or Trey Young like those are good facilitators. You know Shea, he's such a good scorer that he brings att- so much attention that he can make the correct pass when he needs to. You know, well, it's the difference between like Josh Giddy is more like Chris Paul where he gets it in the flow of the offense based off plays running to get guys assists, whereas a Shea, facilitator Shea I know is not the athlete that Russ is, but he's a lot more of drive and kick. Well, and he, you know, Shea's step back. I mean, his, his shot has gotten way better. Like it, he, he is a consistent scorer. He can do it on almost anybody that's in front of him. Um, his length helps. I mean, he, he's just a, he's a great player, but I, I don't think him and like him and Giddy, they could complement each other very well. If they found some chemistry and were able to figure some stuff out, by Giddy able Giddy being able to run the offense and Shea being like your number one guy for a bucket. You know, like you can make that work very well. And I think if they do, that'll make, you know, Shea probably a top ten player in the NBA if we're able to put the right pieces around him and make the Thunder win. Because, you know, to be like a top ten player like that, your team's gotta be winning. You can't just be, you know, putting up crazy stats and not getting some wins. Well that's Devin Booker, you know? exactly. Well yeah, but that was in Phoenix forever and now it's like when you put the right pieces around him and they're winning, now he's getting the that's, recognition. That's exactly what I mean yeah. though. Okay. It's I got like you. Shea, if you put yeah. the right pieces around him, he's right. gonna get in that top ten conversation. Like, right. And I think we've had the conversation of like the pieces that you would want to put around Shea, but it's like I wonder what Presty will do because you know him will not be shocked if he surprises us, you know, with the way he kind of builds around him. Because I mean I think we've said, you know, a good five and then some shooters and a two way player. That transitions to my next crazy question here. Perfect. (laughs) Say in the draft, the Thunder get like the four, five, or six pick. Obviously, we don't want that to happen. But and then say one of Chet or Jabari falls to three. So somebody takes Ivy or Palo, two, one, whatever it matters. So Chet or Jabari is at three, and you have the uh, opportunity to trade up. But the team says it's got to be your first. So it's four, five, or six, and Dort. And they say we don't want any other picks. It's got to be this deal, or we're not doing it. Do you trade Dort plus the four, like the fourth pick for the third pick to get Jabari or Chet? Mm. No, you don't do it. No, for either of those guys. <sighs> that's I uh, love Dort, but the ceiling tough. on those guys is so high. What? Yeah, and Jabari's. I mean, uh, and then you also prolong the thing where, like, if you're, you're trading I mean, you're a guy talking who's about on bigger salary, one of the best on-ball defenders in the NBA. Like you're, t- I mean, a guy who is built like a running back that can play basketball very, very well and can move his feet very, very well for anybody in front of him. That's really tough. Um, I'm not discrediting and you're giving it, And you're giving up the your next – I mean, you know, like what if what if you're the fourth pick and Chet goes third and you got Jabari at four? You well, I'm saying only one of those guys is there. So it's like oh, – so or. the draft would basically be, let's say, Chet goes one, right. Ivy goes two, right. Jabari's there. Or you could go Jabari goes one, Ivy two. Gotcha. You Only one of those guys is there. It – one of them is not falling to you. Right. Okay. So, well, I'm going to, since we're 
speaking theoretically, I'm going to say Jabari's at the three spot because okay. that's the only one who would make me like really consider that deal. Um, I think Presti would do that. I would, I would say if it's, if it's Jabari, like, yeah, I, I think I'd do it. Maybe it, that's tough because like, you know, it's not, Lodort's not some old balls, you know, and he's playing some really good basketball now and his offensive game has been, you know, developed a lot. Um, especially his jumper. So he's becoming a better player. And then, you know, there's, I guess when you get leave, I guess out of the top 10 of the draft, it kind of like, you know, it's a pick and choose, but Thunder wouldn't be like total loss, you know, still having the fourth pick with him. So I don't know. I'm, I'm very indecisive, but I, I guess for Jabari, I'd probably do it. Honestly. I would do it too. I mean, we know that watching just Jabari plays makes you yeah. think like that's, that's going to be a, a hell of a player. I mean, I like Chet too, but I mean, just the prospect of like, you know, Presti did nail it last year. They get giddy. They fall. He gets him at six, even though people talked about it being a five player draft. As much as I trust Presti, I'd rather not put him in that situation again, where it's like a four player draft and you get the fifth pick and it's like, figure out who's the best player. I'd rather give him as many opportunities as possible to pick from the largest pool of guys as he can. Yeah. I mean, and no matter what, I like I questioned Presty last year about the giddy pick because I was like, you know, like I told you, I was, he's gonna pick some freaking white international player, just someone we'd never heard of, and I'm gonna be pissed. And now I'm not. I love the pick, love the player, love how he plays. So, and Presty we trust because that's mm-hmm. that's what I gotta remind myself. He is the best GM in the NBA, according to LeBron James. Who according we will, to LeBron who James, we will see when Bronny gets here. Mm-hmm. Honestly, though, like I, I kind of agree with you on that. I hope that doesn't happen because um, I've seen Bronny play. He's a great player, and he could be, you know, very good because um, he's athletic and you know has a jumper and can you know handle the ball well. But he's not, you know, the hype that you know. Well, and you're not drafting him to get prime twenty-seven-year-old LeBron. You're getting LeBron at like thirty-nine, who's just like happy or maybe to be there. 40, yeah. yeah, yeah. See, I, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't want that because. I who cares? I mean, unless Bronny just goes off in college, because he's definitely got to go to college. He's not going to be a yeah straight to the G League player. So next up, since drafting Donovan Mitchell in 2017, here's the Jazz playoff resume. 2017, they beat the OK three with Russ, PG 13, and Melo before losing in five to the Rockets. Uh, 2018, they lose to the Rockets in five in the first round. 2019, in the bubble, they lose in seven games to the Nuggets after blowing a three one lead. 2018. They are, um, let's see, no, 2019 was in the bubble. 2020, they beat the Grizzlies in five. And then last year, they go to the semifinals against the Clippers and they get up 2-0 before losing four straight, including three of those without Kawhi. So I guess my question is, if is this a make or break postseason for the Jazz? Do they probably look to trade one of those two guys between Mitchell and Gobert if they flame out, let's say in the first round or an uncompetitive second round. Cause to me, it feels like it's conference finals or bust for these guys. I mean, yeah, it has to be like, and you know, they, you saw when they got rid of Ingles, you know, they were clearly making moves to, you know, trim some fat, get ready for the playoffs. Um, I definitely think the head coach is on the hot seat per like, you know, you as usual in the NBA, but you know, he'll get hired somewhere else. Like the, he's the, smart. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, you know, I, I definitely think for, you know, Donovan Mitchell, especially, like I, I know they need to make a, a run to at least the Western Conference Finals. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. There's, there's zero research behind this, but let's say they lose in the first round. 
Okay. Rudy Gobert to the Hawks for Clint Capella and maybe some other guy. Oh, that'd be dangerous. Just Rudy Gobert and, and Trey would yeah, be pretty, the pretty tough. Yeah, you have the statistically the best offensive player in the league and statistically the best defender in the league, statistically the worst defender in the league, and statistically the worst offensive player in the league. So they'll just complement each other well, Rudy Gobert on a, on a pick and roll with Trey or even you know Trey with John Collins and the Rudy Gobert being down there, I mean, that could be, that could be tough. Yeah, and then Clint Capella's not... Because all you really got... Clint Capella ain't going to have an offensive game either. He's just got to, you know, roll off the pick and rolls and jump up really high. And well, and that's what I mean. You, that get, you get different salary in there. Maybe, I don't know how much Rudy Gobert, or how much trade value he has in exchange. I'd really have to go into it, but maybe right. you get one of their other younger guys off the team and retool around Donovan Mitchell, Capella, and insert other I mean, player. Donovan wouldn't leave Utah, but, like, I mean, they would definitely have to consider different pieces. Um, because you, if you don't make, I mean, if you don't make a, if you don't make it at least to the Western Conference Finals, yeah, I definitely think it's a little, it's a bust for them because they, especially the way they started out the season. Oh, they, they were killing out, it. Yeah, they were blowing teams out. So, uh, you know, barring injury, and you know, just the game of basketball, you know, where things can just happen. I, I think this team needs to make a run, or pieces will be moved in the off season. I agree. So next up the bulls, I earlier in this season with miles, when we were making predictions, I said mm-hmm. they would be the Knicks of last year where they'd be a great regular season team and probably get bounced in the first round. Do you think that's true? Do you think they can get past the first round? And a lot of this Hell is yes, really DeMar DeRozan. Did you take him into factor what he's been doing? I did, but I'm just <laughs> looking at the other team. It's less about how good they are, but there are a lot of good teams in the East. There are, but the way he's been playing, if he's able to carry that to the playoffs for at least the first round. And, you know, they also have not been healthy like all season. Like mm-hmm. they have always had some sort of couple injuries that have set him back, you know, Zach Levine or whether it's, you know, Energy Bunny and Caruso or, you know, even DeRozan has sat something. I mean, they've, they've had, they haven't had like a fully healthy team consistently. So um, I think if they do for the playoffs and DeMar has been playing the way he's played this regular season, or at least down this last like 15, 20 game stretch, I think they could be a threat in the East. They're the sure. four seed right now. They're tied with Boston, but I'm just going to run through the top six. Jason Tatum's hot as hell right I'm now. I'm going to give Celtics. you the top six teams in the East. And you just tell me if the Bulls are beating them in a series. Okay. Miami. No. No. Milwaukee. No. Not with a, I mean, fully healthy Milwaukee. No. Philadelphia. Yes. You really think so? Look, what did you just see what happened to Philadelphia with the Nets? Are you really going to throw Vucevic and Tristan Thompson's out there on Embiid? Well, I mean, if you double him, I mean, he's going to score. But, like, dude, he had KD on him last night and would still, I mean, he had some trouble. And look what Harden did. Harden played terrible and then went to the club after the game. (laughs) I don't blame you for trashing Harden. I think it's going to be bigger than one game. And I think that it's a little bit different the environment that was in last night compared to a regular regular season game with all the Ben Simmons stuff and Kyrie coming out there and guarding That's a Harden. game with pressure. That's oh, yeah. you know, playoffs pressure's that high, higher than that. So if there, Harden's going three for fifteen in the playoffs like that and his defense is obviously not going to help him any much and you've got Embiid, Embiid can't carry that team in the playoffs, not in the East or the West. I guess we're gonna have to disagree on that. That's fine. Some of these matchups, I guess, because I I guess who does guard DeRozan for Philadelphia? You have T. Stiebel and Danny Green to throw out there at Zach or Levine. If, or, I mean, Levine, he's a great basketball player. Yeah. It's not like it's just DeRozan with that team. Like, And Vucevic, I mean, if 
he brings Embiid out of the paint, that opens up for Levine and Demar. You know, it's I don't know. Matchup for me is is bull, is weighed towards the Bulls just because the Sixers, their entire team is Harden and Embiid. You we'll know? have to revisit that later. I'm I'm still team Embiid for now. Fair enough. Um, how about the Bulls versus Cleveland? I'd take the Bulls in that one. I'd take the Bulls, but I I mean, Darius Garland. Darius Garland's the only creator on that team is the thing, though. And he's a really good one. Though. And they're a really young team who has zero playoff experience. I, I, that could be an upset for Cleveland, but I would if I were putting money on it, I would take the Bulls, yes. Okay. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Cleveland upset them like that or at least win past the first round. Okay, this one's controversial. Okay. Do the Lakers really care about wins down the stretch for this season, or should they care? They are currently five and a half games behind the Clippers for the eighth spot, so there's basically no chance they're going to get the eighth spot. And currently they're nine, but they're one and a half games above the Pelicans for the 10 spot. At so least that, make the play in. Well, have some pride. Well, hey, let me, let me get through this. <laughs> they're one and a half games above the Pelicans for 10. So if they just lose out, they'll be 10. Because the team in 11 is the Blazers, who are not trying to win they're getting at smoked. all. And they are yeah. way ahead of San Antonio and the Kings in the standings. So right. basically, no matter what the Lakers do, they're going to be in, right. is what I'm saying. So should they just... You know, not necessarily rest these guys, but play in a way, just test things out in um, preparation for the playoffs. I mean, have some pride. You know, I would at least like you put this team together. You've gotten so much hate. Don't go out, not swinging. I'm not saying like don't try, but like in these games, like just test some stuff out in preparation for the playoffs because you're not going to move up or down in the standings. Well, if they do that, that's you'll be able to tell because that's different because you, you'll be seeing different lineups. You'll be seeing maybe different play styles from certain players trying to change their game a little bit to make it work for the other five players or other four players on the court. But, I mean, I would definitely still try and win, even though if you're going to be trying new new stuff, don't – you know, don't just say who cares, you know, since we're going to be the 10th spot or be in the play in anyways. Um, yeah, that's what I know. hope doesn't happen. I hope that it doesn't just turn into LeBron chasing Kareem and getting his points. Well, yeah, you mean teams like them and the Knicks, like how many teams have gotten so much national airtime for their games and are just completely disappointed? <laughs> them know? and the Knicks, yeah, they're yeah. on national TV all the all time. All the time. And just, but I will say it is funny watching, uh, you know Rob Perez, the just he's basketball fanatic and he's worldwide a, wild. Yeah, huge Knicks fan, and it's hilarious watching his post game videos after a Knicks game, especially when they have a lead going in the fourth, they blow it. He, I mean, it, his reactions. Oh, hilarious I love the one where time. the Thunder won in MSG this year. Where Giddy holy, and that video after was hilarious. He he lost it. Like he was he he usually is pretty sarcastic and like not really passive aggressive, but it's just like you know mm-hmm. they invent new ways to lose and. Uh, after that thunder loss, he was, I I mean, he was pissed because <laughs> it's just like, how, I mean, the Oklahoma city thunder are like tanking this year. <laughs> you know? Oh, it was good. couple good more. Am I crazy for thinking if the Clippers get Kawhi and Paul George back healthy, they're the favorite in the West? Yes. Really? Yes. The Clippers are a stingy you know team. Long as Kawhi and him have been sitting I'm, out. This is a hypothetical if they're healthy. Okay. So if they're, let's say, eighty percent, you say healthy, like they're in shape and they're ready to hoop. Yeah, I've seen video of Paul George and Kawhi working out. They they're looking good so far. I mean, and as you know, with Kawhi, there is no way of knowing when he's going to come back. You got to remember, like game pace and chemistry, like that's all shot right now. 
because when they come back in, you know, I guess there's there really is no chemistry. It's just them two, you know, one on one or find, you know, Kawhi drives, finds Paul George or Paul George drives, find Kawhi. So I don't know, but like, I, they can't be the best in the West if they came back. They'd definitely be a top four. I think sure. they might be the best team in the West. I think they could small ball their way through it. So you, just you're like, a Kawhi and PG lover? I think those guys are really good. <laughs> I don't think that yeah. they're the best players in the league, but just in terms of who they have to match up with in the West right now, I think that they'd have a really, really big advantage against a lot of teams because there's not a lot of bigs who you think will just kill you other than Jokic, and he doesn't have a lot of help around him. Like, do you really, would you be surprised if those guys... Yeah, I don't mean it kind of be off topic but do we how long is jamal murray out so he tore his acl around a calendar year ago so he that's another part of it is I was it was only ask, a year ago yeah damn it seems like he's been out for a lot longer than that so it was before the playoffs so that was another part right. of it was i was going to ask is could denver maybe be the best team in the west if they get michael porter jr and jamal murray back because they yes. they're both going now to that basketball could be, activities that could be possible yes because then joe i mean Jokic is already your. I was about to say Joker, but yes, Jokic is already your facilitator as a big man. Like it's crazy his mm-hmm. his vision, his passing, um, his wild looking shot that just always seeming is always very accurate. Um, the way he can run transition, you add in those guys back in with him, he finally has like when he's making those crazy passes, he's got playmakers that it's going to you know, um, especially if they're all healthy and you know. Their chemistry together, I feel like when they were healthy, was really good, especially Jamal and Jokic. They had a really good thing going. Um, Michael Porter was just starting to get in the groove, but that man's back is not helping him. Um, I, I think that is more realistic than the Clippers coming back with Paul George and Kawhi and being the best in the West. Because, I mean, I haven't – how many games has Kawhi played in total in this regular season? Zero. He Zero. tore his ACL in the uh, semifinals. That's why he missed the last three against the Jazz. I didn't know it was ACL. Damn. That's okay. That's tough. I didn't. I didn't know it was ACL. Um, yeah. So as you know, with Kawhi, he's going to take his time. Of course, of course. Yeah. I. But yeah, I'd favor the Clippers. Denver, I really like. I like Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. His back thing is weird. I don't know that they have enough defenders around Jokic. Do okay. Now that makes me even think. If since Kawhi has an ACL, I mean that's even harder to come back and be a, like you know who he was before the injury. I mean, you know, you're not... His game's not really predicated on athleticism, though. No, but, I mean, it is on, like, game pace, and he gets in, like, kind of a rhythm to where he's either, you know, hitting hitting every shot or he's getting down the paint and he's got his touch going. I mean, he has... There's things to, you know, playing in NBA games that if you don't do it for a certain period of time, I feel like it takes a little bit to adjust and get back into. So if you're doing that in the playoffs coming in straight to a really high pressure game and like you know i'm not saying he's not going to answer to that but it's going to be harder than you know previously obviously but it's i don't know that that also requires chemistry change which clippers you know with reggie jackson and luke Kennard being like your two go-to guys and well that's what i mean is you just push those guys down the rotation you put Kawhi and pg as the main two and now they have actual shooting around those guys because of how luke Kennard and reggie jackson have been playing and you still have the positionless yeah and you still have the positionless of them like playing defense norm powell's out but you still have robert covington nick batum zubak has uh, been really good for them marcus morris of just i don't know i really value the positionless of how they play defensively like you've seen it the last two years whenever yeah. they play against Luca, of just like we're gonna switch one through five it doesn't matter right I mean that's you're 
I'm not saying like you're crazy for that take, truthfully. I mean, because they are, it's, it is Kawhi Leonard. Like he is a freak, and Paul George is a great player. Um, but I, I, realistically, I definitely think the Nuggets getting all those guys back and healthy, that'd be so huge. And I think Jokic would be like able to take a deep, like, sigh of relief. <laughs> um, and then another one. Are the Warriors dead in the water without Draymond at 100%? He's got to be 100%, in my opinion. No. Really? They're a 500 That's team. That's biased. I, a, I hate Draymond Green. They're a 500 <laughs> team since Draymond's been injured. They started out the season when Draymond plays 27-6. and six. Clay Thompson has really regressed. Steph Curry's had some cold streaks. Jordan Poole and those guys. Uh, I saw a stat. Andrew Wiggins is shooting 60% from the line this year, 25% from the line since he's been named an all-star starter. Dear Lord. I mean, <sighs> do you trust Jonathan Kaminga that much? Jonathan Kaminga is going to be a great player. I think he's going to be he, great too. You know, I, the way he f- fell in the draft like that, he's proven people wrong. I think his ceiling has gone up, um, in my opinion. But listen, I like I said, I'm biased. I hate Draymond. <laughs> I he's a good defender. I'll give him that. And you know, the way he finds shooters and kind of sees the game, he's a smart player. Um, I'll also give him that. But um, that's I I think that is why they're so much better with him in is because when he gets the ball, he knows exactly what to do, which is find your two best shooters and try and get them open. And he sometimes does that with passes or handoffs with screens. I mean, he finds a little bit of room that those two need to fire off a shot and when they get hot, you know. Like, I think there was a clip today. Um, there was a – or today or yesterday, whenever the Warriors played the Nuggets. Was that yesterday? That was yesterday. Yeah. Um, you see Draymond on the bench when Curry gets a switch on Jokic. And he passes it to Jordan Poole, and Jordan Poole does a step back, and I think he hits it. But you see Draymond kind of like get a little irate on the sideline because he's like, you know, Curry, like, what the hell are you doing? Like, you got Jokic on you, you know, and mm-hmm. you're Steph Curry. Like, you got handles, you got crazy hesitations, and they're going to bite because if you do shoot it, he's probably going to make it. And um, he got actually pretty hot that game, too, I'm pretty sure. And um, yeah, you just see Draymond freaking out. So it's like, I mean, he knows like who to go to on that team, who to get open. And uh, he makes the shots when he's you know wide open. He's smart with pick and rolls, pick and pops, and then I I that's probably why I think the Warriors are better with him. But without him, they I mean you can do without that. Like you still have the two best shooters of all time and a bunch of other good guards around you. But um, and he's kind of their true big when he's in. You know, he's well a that's small what I mean. Is like so. who are their other bigs? You have yeah. Um, Kavon Looney. Do you trust Kavon Looney? Hell no. James Wiseman, who's played somehow in th- uh, two years in the league. He's played like eight games. He was just playing with G League now. He's injured though, right? He tore his MCL, but yeah. he, he just got back in the G League to play a couple minutes for. I mean, James Wiseman is in. more of a threat than Draymond when he's healthy, as far as offensively. Uh, <laughs> would oh, you disagree? I would vastly disagree. Mm. I when when James, well, I, I guess yeah. We, he's he's only played so many games, so. I can't really... He's only played so many games, and when he's been out there, he's looked absolutely lost. I don't think he... Well, I mean, how can you adjust when you don't play that many games? It's like, you know, you come in as like a rookie and then a sophomore. It's like you're barely getting any experience because of your injuries or, you know... I don't was it, it wasn't all injuries, though, when he was sitting out, right? Like, he was... It was MCL. Yeah, he tore his MCL, and then he had some other small injuries his uh, rookie yeah, year. okay. But, yeah, he ended his season last year with an MCL. I, I disagree. I, I You can have your things with hey, Draymond, hey Draymond personally, yeah. but I think he's one of the most versatile defenders ever. 
I think he's one of the best quarterbacks of a defense. Okay, you wait. Can have. Let me ask you this: Do you think Draymond could hold Shaq? No. Do you think he could guard Shaq? No. Okay. Good. I'm not dumb, dude. There's, I I see some crazy, crazy takes on that for you know because he is a good defender, but it's like they they throw players at him that he would be able to guard, you know, and I'm just like. No freaking way. Well, what makes Draymond, uh, Draymond great is his ability to switch on to guys. I don't think he's going to be somebody like Kawhi where it's like you guard this one guy and you shut him down. He doesn't really do that necessarily, but he is great at like playing the back line of your defense and helping guys out. Just like all the little stuff that people don't really notice. That's what Draymond's great at. And just, you know, pushing the pace, being a good facilitator. But I don't know if unless he's 100%. Kicking players in the nuts. That too. Unless he's a hundred percent, I don't know how they get out of the second round. Because like here, are the some you got to have your two best shooters have you know the series of their lives. Clay has not looked like that recently. He's no. looked real slow. But see, that's example A. Tear your ACL, rehab. He tore his a- ACL and his Achilles back to back. I okay, but still, you're coming off injuries like that. I mean, both those are really bad, and that's a long rehab, but. You know, ACL, you're still talking seven months to a year, you know, in rehab and then coming back, you know, be f- fully healthy. Like you got to adjust to the game pace. And, um, but those are two literally the worst injuries you could have. Like, do you realize know, that the last, that when he got injured, his yeah. ACL, Kawhi Leonard was still on the Raptors. Mm-hmm. Paul George no, uh, was still in Oklahoma City with Russell Westbrook. James Harden and Chris Paul were Rockets. Like, it has been basically three years since he started playing again. I think it's a little bit different compared to somebody like Kawhi and those things. But Kawhi's missing a year. He He's missed a whole year. He's not missing three years. I think there's a little bit of a difference. But, yeah, if you're the Warriors, you're in the three seed right now. If you play Denver in the first round and you don't have Draymond at 100%, like Draymond's not going to shut him down. But if you don't have Draymond, you have literally no chance against Jokic unless Steph Curry just, like, obliterates Well, that requires guys. Jokic to have, you know, the series of – his career because then he's going to pretty much be the go-to guy for the Warriors, you know, or playing against the Warriors mm-hmm. um, because of that exact reason, like he should dominate that game. Cause there is no one on the court that'll be able to guard him. I mean, I guess I don't even know if I'd want to put like Looney on him. Uh, I'd probably want to put like Wiggins. That that's the exact problem though. Yeah. If you don't have Draymond, like what yeah. do you do? Are you gonna throw rookie or basically rookie James Wiseman out there on no, him and just gotta, feast? It's gotta be Wiggins, right? It's gotta be Wiggins and Draymond a combo of that. I mean, even if let's say they play the Mavericks, so you put Andrew Wiggins and just hope for the best. Like on Luca, on Luca, like you're yeah. not putting Draymond on him, but Draymond's there on the back line to help out and switch and things like that. I think that's important. Yeah, I, but I mean. I think Wiggins would have a better chance against Luka than Jokic. Yeah. Because Jokic has him in size down low. And then, you know, Jokic, he can't block his shot. You know, I just, I think there's an advantage there comparatively to where if he was guarding Luka, you know, Luka obviously would be Luka. But if, you know, he has an off night or Wiggins really gets up in his grill and stays with him, it could be. Or say the Warriors move up to the two seed and they play like the Timberwolves in the first round. Who's guarding Cat? Putting Looney on him? That's Probably why, Looney. That's why I'm saying it's so important to get Draymond back. Yeah. And it's not just necessarily because of the defense. He's also one of the only like seasoned guys on their roster. Like They have Andre Gudala, Steph, Clay, Draymond, but they don't have a lot of guys who have like had a really big impact on winning in the playoffs. I mean, you can put Looney in there, but he was on those teams where it was him, Durant, 
Clay, Steph, and Draymond. Yeah, you could have thrown me out there. Yeah. Just rebound, yeah. I mean, and, and be you know somewhat of a defensive So presence. I'm not saying they're dead, but I think there's definitely With, cause for worry. Sorry, I keep hitting the microphone. For Minnesota, Carl Anthony Towns, if you have Kevin Looney on him, I'm telling Kevin Looney just to let him shoot the threes. You know, get a hand up, but just I will live by losing to Carl Anthony Towns beating us from the three-point line. He just won the three-point contest. Oh, okay. So what? He's that's, like that's, statistically the best three-point shooting center of all time. That's fine. Live by three, die by three. You can't do that. You cannot do that for a seven-game series, especially like four games in a row consecutively. Like, you know, I'm not saying step five feet back and let him get a wide open one. I mean, get a hand up, but don't get beat off the dribble by him. I mean, if you're going to make him score, make him do it from 28, 30 feet out. I just that's that you can as I'm talking as the Warriors with Kevin Looney guarding him. I mean, mm-hmm. otherwise I'm putting Andrew Wiggins on him and he's backing his ass down from the top of the key. So like, pick your poison. You know, I think I'm going to take the the chance and hope that you know he struggles to get it going from the three point line. You know, maybe not be wide open, but getting a hand in your face when he's coming down because Kevin Looney's way too slow. Like, Carl Anthony Downs could easily beat him off the dribble every time if he wanted to. All that matters is we get Anthony Edwards in the playoffs. That's all I want. <laughs> Anthony Edwards Such and, like, those character. press conferences after the game, that's all I want is just to hear him talk about just random things. And I've told you what he said about who his who the toughest player was for him to guard in high school, right? Is it somebody who can't get minutes for the Knicks? Dude, do you see them when they sub him out? He, j- he, he just he makes got closed out for the year. He, he makes – okay, there was – a post by Rob Perez, I'll make this short, where he all he did was post like, I don't know, a five, six possession series, you know, where it was like play by play. Yeah. And Cam Reddish was involved in every play, whether it was a bucket or a defensive play or a rebound, right? And at the very end of like the six, seven uh, minutes or not minute stretch, but just possessions, Evan Fournier in for... Cam Reddish, like right, right at the very end, and he posts that, and everybody's just like, "What the hell?" Because he gets going, and Thibodeau subs him, subs him out. He he can't like it's it's crazy how they are still not utilizing him because when he starts doing good things, he gets subbed for a veteran. It's like, I mean, he even the biggest Knicks fan in the world probably with with Rob Perez even says, "You need to let Cam Reddish and some of these like R.J. Barrett and some of these young guys stay in for this fourth quarter and quit trying to sub in the vets." Because it's like it's clearly not working because they're going in with the lead and then they're losing. So like, all it's all I'm gonna say. I remember I told you I'm defending Cam Reddish until he gives me no chance to defend him at all. You're gonna be like Mel Kiper when he said I'll quit if uh, Jimmy Clausen is not a franchise quarterback. <laughs> this has been it would oh, not be the terrible it would comparison. not be the Friday pod if we did not get John's random Cam Reddish just like justification of what's going on. Do you have anything else you want to say before we get out of here that's not about Cam Reddish? No, but go Thunder, go Tank, and please <laughs> please get Jabari Smith Jr. for the love of God. Thank you so much for listening today. This has been the Fry Pod. I am Michael Martin, and I have been joined by John Barry. Make sure to follow all of our socials, Instagram, The Thundergrads, Twitter, The Thundergrads, and we will be back on Tuesday.